Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by ZipRecruiter, our 2018 presenting sponsor and somebody who is almost as accomplished as as one of our guests on today's podcast, the the great Hall of Famer Al Pacino. Someday ZipRecruiter will be the Al Pacino of what they do. Guess what they do? 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within a day. They are the best at distributing your job to the best boards, identifying the right people and inviting them to apply. Right now they're in the same run that Al Pacino was in in the 70s when he was just ripping off great movies all the time. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Meanwhile, SeatGeek, the best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, and more for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event for NBA, NHL, regular season, major league baseball. That's coming. Whatever you want to do, you know what to do. Use promo code BS, download the SeatGeek app, or go right to SeatGeek.com. Finally, spring training is in full swing. It is time to start thinking. Yahoo, fantasy, baseball drafts. Flex your skills as a real GM. The new weekly lineup format makes it even easier. Use the set active players feature to set your lineup up for the week in one tap. The Yahoo Fantasy Baseball right now. The official fantasy game of Major League Baseball. Sign up right now at yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball. Speaking of baseball, we uh, we brought back the Ringer MLB show to life. We had two podcasts last week. We have over-unders for the wins, the best picks in every division coming this week. Uh, on Thursday, Jacko and I, we did a podcast, my old buddy, and I roasted the 2018 Yankees and he tried to defend them. We might have to do the same thing this week with the Red Sox. But check it out. Subscribe to that. Also, subscribe to The Recapables, which we launched a new show for yesterday on top of the show we already had. We were doing Atlanta. And now me and Mallory Rubin, every Sunday night, right after Billions ends on Showtime, we do our Recapables podcast that goes right up. Show ends, Recapables podcast, live. Me and Mallory, we did 35 minutes on episode one, which featured... um, Let's just say Mr. and Mrs. Martinez scarred me for life. We'll go into that and a bunch of other stuff on that podcast. It's available right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, don't forget about the ringer.com covering March Madness this week. Uh, first week of baseball, NBA playoffs coming, NBA awards season coming. This is kind of our time right now. Check it out, theringer.com. Right now, Al Pacino and Barry Levinson, two of the greats. Barry Levinson, one of the most accomplished directors the last 40 years. Al Pacino, one of the great actors of all time. They came in, we taped it last week. They were here for about an hour and 10 minutes and uh, it was a true highlight. Here it is, but first, Pearl Jam. All right, here with Al Pacino and Barry Levinson. They did uh, the Paternal movie for HBO. I was telling Barry, we did a podcast in 09, back when people barely knew what a podcast was, because you were one of the first 30 for 30s. I know, I know. It's so bizarre. I remember okay. when we when we got him, mm-hmm. it was really hard to get the series going, and we needed like a couple named directors. And then we can we went to pitch you on something else, and you're like, I've always been fascinated by the Ravens marching band. 
And we're like, all right. Or the, I'm sorry, the Colts, <laughs> the Colts marching band. And, uh, but we you're like, Ravens. all right. No, no, he's a Baltimore guy. And they left and, but ends up doing it. And once we got you, the seas parted and we were able to get it. And then all of a sudden oh, yeah? we were able to get some people. Oh, yeah. no kidding. You were like the pivotal guy that we got. Wow. You didn't even know. I didn't know. Who, yeah. Because as soon as we I got him, that, now Barry. I'm excited. I didn't want to tell you. <laughs> Ready? Surprise, everyone. Come on out. As soon as we got him, we could go into the other meetings and go, yeah. we got Barry Levinson. He's in. And then they'd be like, really? You got Barry. And then all of a sudden you get one more and then you start yeah. listing off the A term that no one ever heard, podcast. Yeah. Was we launched that? I had had my own podcast, but then we launched our own 30 for 30 podcast series to try to be like a director's commentary. It was a little ahead of its time. Yeah. Now everybody has a podcast. Have you, you must have been on a podcast, Al. No? I've been everywhere, I think. <laughs> you must have been. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I have. Though. I, I, I turn up from time to time and, and, and people say, I, I say, how do they, how do they get there? How did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> and Were then, you? of course, there's the 70s, which I have no recollection. I have no recollection of. <laughs> <laughs> were, you, um, were you a recluse with promoting movies and stuff oh, in yes, the 70s? Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. In, in a lot of ways, that, uh, uh, that, was, the, that was sort of the style at, at that time. That Less was, is uh, more? That was the thing, yeah. yeah. I mean, even going at that point, even going to the Oscars was something that you sort of didn't do. You know, it wasn't cool or yeah. something. Yeah. We all followed what Marlon did. You know, Brando led us all to astray. <laughs> I don't remember um, actors, actresses, no, or directors talking about movies at all no. back in the. Uh, 60s or 70s. I don't remember that. Just didn't happen. No. There was but, definitely a more of a mystery back then well, with also, the stars. I think also back then it didn't matter that much if you went wherever you went. I mean, people either went to the movies or didn't. Today there's so many outlets yeah. that it's uh, it does work. It does uh, get people. It makes people become aware of, of the fact that there's a film out there. But in the old days, it it didn't sort of matter, or at least that's what we felt. That's what I, I well, I mean, it, it, because you didn't have many outlets was part of it because, you know, you're not, you know, you didn't have any of the cable channels. There are no cable channels. And there was yeah. no, uh, there wasn't really the national radio or the way they connected. It would be ta city by city by city. But it, it you know, so it's a radically different. I remember different finally I got to do a television show. I mean, I had been a, like a, an actor known and everything for 10 years. Yeah. Maybe more. And I finally got my first, uh, I did my first television in, interview on Good Morning America. And I was, you know, so I come out and I sit down and everything is new. And I'm just sitting there, you know, all shy and everything and just sitting quietly. And this guy comes out and he looks at me and he says, how could you make such a violent, stupid film? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that was the opening. And I said, you know, where do you go from there? Where do you go from there? And I just said, well, you know, something. I don't know what I said, but he was a very nice guy. But he didn't like the film. I think he said stupid. He might not have said stupid. He just said violent. You remember it now. I thought, I yeah. thought that, that was a stupid thing to say. Maybe. <laughs> you know, but I, I, I remember the film. Yeah. It just yeah. happened to be Scarface. So. You know, here we are. Right. But Scarface I, is a good example of a movie that means one thing when it comes out, 
and then takes on mm. this whole other life and then takes so on true. another life after that. Now it's yeah. been 35 years and it's like, it's this iconic action movie. But at the time, yeah. it was really polarizing. I'm always fascinated yeah. by how movies evolve after they've come out, how they're remembered and dissected. Yes. Well, I mean, look, it goes both ways. Some movies that were celebrated that fade away and there were those that were totally ignored or, you know, re- reviled in a way that ultimately yeah. well, come well, up. Well, not to talk about it, uh, it too much, but I I didn't see it as violence. We didn't see it as violent. Scarface? But, yes. <laughs> you don't forget Oliver Stone yeah. der- that wrote it. Yeah. And it was it was this whole assault on this the, this 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 world that uh, the world of greed, the world of avarice, and and it, everything was uh, operatic in its in its yeah. in its delivery. And this is what Brian De Palma intended. Yeah. So we we didn't think in terms of because you know some covert commercials are more violent than that film. You, I mean, you have to say the violence was. I guess was uh, subtextual or something. It, well, it, it, was ran, it ran through it, but it was operatic. It was as operatic. opposed that to something it. that would have been, you know, uh, that's more sort of more humanistic. So that's that right. something that would occur, that's you know, right. you would, you know, that uh, that was violent would be yeah. perceived. This was, was, was too like over the top. Machine guns blowing up the buildings and yeah. the thing. I mean, it was you know. Out there of was control. that chainsaw shower scene. Was well, we don't, we don't really, want to talk about yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, I look at a movie like Rain Man and Hoffman won the Oscar, right? But now when I watch it all these years later, it feels like, like Cruz had the harder part. Well, he did. I mean, and, and Dustin— I don't think people realize that in the moment. Dustin said it at the time. He said, you know, Tom's got it—because Tom has to push it all along. Otherwise, yeah. I'll just keep looking up at the lights on the ceiling or whatever. I mean, so Cruz had to push it all the time. Come on, we're doing this, we're, and, he's, and, and we have to find ways so it doesn't be he seen was repetitious. Great too, he was great, too, in that film. Cruz yeah. Was, yeah, Cruz was terrific. But uh, I remember uh, Dustin acknowledging, while, even while we're shooting, so— what happens is Dustin ends up with you know the flashier role, the yeah. character we haven't seen, but Tom's work was really very, very strong. Well, because he's playing an asshole, but I have to like him by the end of the movie. Exactly. Which is pretty much the hardest yeah. part to play. He's a very play. good actor, Tom. Yeah. yeah. What, uh, what movie did you make over, over the, I don't know, at least 20 years old that you feel like is underrated compared to how it was perceived at the time? Do you have one? I'd have to think about that. In a few minutes, it'll come to me. Okay. I can deal with 50 years. It's hard hard to deal with 20. You know, you have to divide. I mean, we did one uh, that was really not seen because the the distribution company basically disappeared and went out of business when we did The Humbling. And Al, you know, playing this aging actor at the end of his career, based on a Philip Roth book, I think is a spectacular performance and a real look into... uh, the, the mind and soul of an aging actor trying to deal with the reality that he's surrounded by. Um, yeah. I thought was, you know, and the very few times we ever showed it in terms of a couple of festivals and had, you know, terrific response, but it was never seen in America. When you say it disappeared, what does that mean? It was never had a distribution. <laughs> I mean, we played like a couple of theaters in the country. But now we have 40,000 streaming services. Like, it do, feels like it we, could, to, we could revive it. Well, I mean, at some point, it, maybe it'll get picked up. But up until now, it's, it's really not been on those services or, uh, you know, it's basically you can do something. And we, look, we did it for a million nine, one million nine and shot half of it in my house. I mean, so wow. it was about as 
kind of a homemade movie as you're going to do. And we did it because it, it, it seemed fascinating and we had a great time doing it. Yeah. I thought, you know, Al's work was spectacular, but it, it's, it's a completely overlooked piece at this point mm-hmm. in time. Did you guys hit a point in your careers where you're like, I've done just about everything that I thought I wanted to do X amount of years ago. What, what now? I remember one point in my career, uh, I, 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 I quit. Yeah, you quit in the 80s, basically, Yeah, for about four years. Yeah. People were worried about you. They didn't know what happened. Yeah, people in the park would say, what happened to you, man? (laughs) (laughs) I'd say, oh, really? You know, I didn't know I I was gone from anywhere. Oh, man, do a movie. So I said, all right. So I got a couple, I got encouragement. But what happened to me was at, at that point, you kind of reassess things in a way. I had uh, multiple failures and I was feeling somewhat uh, at, at odds with, um, this has happened to me several times in my life when I was younger and an unknown actor, I had a similar thing and, yeah, yeah, uh, happened to me. And I just needed to get revive something in myself, whatever it was. So I took to uh, uh, making my own stuff and spending my own money on it, which is not a wise thing to do, but there I was. And shortly I became broke and had to go back to films. <laughs> but I started making my own stuff, editing and discovering another another perspective on film. So so it was fun, but sooner or later I had to I had to go back to work. And I, I think I revived with uh, Sea of Love. Sea of Love. Yeah, that's a good movie. I saw that, that in the theater. I yeah, like yeah, that movie. Yeah. yeah. Harold Becker did a really good job and Marty Bregman produced it. So I was uh, I was back, and uh, as it is, you know, you, you you go through all these stages, but but I don't sort of want to do anything anymore that isn't uh, that I'm connect that I'm not connected to in some way, and so I can feel the energy to yeah. do it. You get the energy from the, the excitement. That that's uh, hard but to you're come one by. of the few actors that. Keeps going back to stage. I go back to the theater, yeah. You know, not necessarily Broadway, but even other things yeah. where you've d- done work you wanted to That's do. That's right. I recently did something uh, about Tennessee Williams at the end of his life, which is interesting. Yeah, I do. I have the theater because I started in the theater. Yeah. So it's sort of like uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a place I'm most comfortable. Although I've learned a lot about films. I work with Barry all the time. I, yeah. I'm always constantly calling him up and saying, what are you doing next, Barry? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you guys get along so well? Uh, from, from me, I think, it. look, I mean, you, you do films, but you want to be able to, f- you, you, there's certain themes that are interesting to you, you know, and, and in terms of an actor, there's a certain kind of courage to what Al will, will do. Then he'll try something as opposed to, I don't know if I should do that, if that's, a, you know what I mean? He'll, he'll just try. We'll keep playing around with things. Yeah. And some things will evolve out of that. Maybe that it wasn't right, but maybe this, there's another little clue to something that would be better. So there's an interaction and it's kind of like, you know, there isn't an absolute to anything you do in terms of film. You could do it this way and this way and this way. So sometimes we'll, we can really play around and, and I think we enjoy that experience mm-hmm. in the telling of the story. Let's take a break. We're going to talk about Gillette. I keep telling you, I've been shaving since college. I've been with these guys a very, very long time. You know what changed my life? The Gillette Fusion Ultra Sensitive Skin Shaving Gel. Oh, yeah. 
Recently, I started using the Gillette Fusion Pro Shield Razor as well. I ordered it. I got four refillable razors and free shipping and every fourth order free because I subscribed. And you know what the benefits are? When I shave now, my neck doesn't look like I shaved with a cheese grater. I have a very sensitive neck. Gillette has helped my neck. My neck is nice and clean. Now you can get Gillette Performance delivered to your door. No more getting mad at yourself because you just got back from the grocery store and you realized you forgot to buy blades. How stupid do you feel when that happens? Subscribe today. Pick your favorite razor. Get every fourth order for free. Visit Gillette online at GilletteOnDemand.com. And since we're here, I want to talk about the Black Tux. Oh, they've been with us for a while. I wish they had been around when I went to like 25 weddings in my 20s. The good news is it's around for you. With high-quality rental suits and tuxedos delivered to your doorstep, theblacktux.com makes weddings or special events easier than it's ever been. The Black Tux offers free home try-on so you can see the fit and feel the quality of your suit months before the event. It's completely done online. No trips to the tuck shop required. No tailors with cigarette breath breathing all over you. Ugh. Uh, the Black Tux lets you create your look or choose from tons of stylist selected outfits. Suits usually re retail for $1,200. At the Black Tux, they start at just $95 after ordering. Your suit will arrive 14 days before your event. And if anything is less than perfect, the Black Tux will send you a free replacement right away. After you're done, drop your rental back in the mail, shipping free both ways. Get started right now. Visit theblacktux.com slash BS to get $20 off your purchase. Again, theblacktux.com slash BS. The Black Tux premium rental suits and tuxedos. Delivered. You can even get one that looks like Al Pacino and Scarface many years ago. Back to Al, back to Barry. So something like Paterno, um, obviously a tough topic just coming out of the gate. And now you're playing this guy that was pretty complicated. Nobody 100% knew what happened, what he knew, what he mm -hmm. didn't know. Mm -hmm. um, we also don't know how out of it he was. That was always the part that I, I never got a full answer on, like just... How with it was he by the end there? How how locked in was he just with anything? Coaching the team? What was going on? Yeah, no, he's 84 years old yeah. at that point when all of this happened, yeah. And then physically, which I thought you did a really nice job in the movie, like just, just mm. he, you seemed old. You seemed like beaten down. Like how much, how much thought do you put in? <laughs> well, how much thought do you put in physically with a performance like that? Well, what your know, body has to look like? You just, what you do is usually at my age, you just give in to what, what you're feeling. And yeah. you get to be 84 <laughs> somehow. You, you, you know, so much of it is dictated by, uh, by the role, I think. And Barry would help me. Uh, you know, would tell me occasionally. You know, he's eighty, whatever. He's eighty in his eighties, and I would. This this last movie I did with uh, Martin Scorsese, with it's the Irishman with Bob De Niro and Joe yeah. Pesci, and Bobby Cannavale. We use compute. There's computers on the camera on the sides, and and they they uh, the various ages. So. Um, it, it, physically, you're changed to say uh, if I'm playing Hoff, I was playing Jimmy Hoff at the age of 39. They're doing that on a computer. Ooh, yeah. I mean, we we went to all these tests and things to just, and then I'm I'm playing 48 or even in my 50s, 
and and they'd always say to me, someone would come up to me and say, you're 39. And so it's called <laughs> some sort of memory of 39. <laughs> and and, and you, you, your body tries to acclimate to that and, you know, think that way in some yeah. ways. And they, they remind you of it. So when you're playing a character for Paterno, it, it's, 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 uh, it, it's no longer a question. You, you, it, the, the script is well written and Barry is there, then you're reminded of the age. And so you conform to that, to that, uh, to that state. Hmm. Do you, do you worry at all that more information is going to come out after this movie? Or do we think we have all the information we're ever going to have from this? I mean, there may be some, some things you never can say never. I think the story we're, we're telling wouldn't be necessarily affected by uh, additional information. Yeah. You know, we do it in a two week time frame. You know, the whole film. Yeah. In the highest and the lowest parts in, in his life. He wins the 409th game to make him the winningest coach in college football. You know, literally seven days later or something like that, he's fired. It, it caught up in this whole scandal of, of, uh, of what, what happened there. And then ultimately goes in for an MRI and diagnosed with cancer, which will be terminal. This is all happens in a two-week period. Yeah, when I saw the movie, I thought you compressed it, but you didn't. No, we just that took was the really two weeks. those fourteen days, and that and Amazing. that fourteen days. That's that's what it was. So we're concerned with that time frame. Yeah. So uh, that's where we focus, which has a a fair amount of you know energy and strength to it, because that was the explosion that that uh, information came forward from the grand jury, and it just exploded in of all places, Happy Valley. <laughs> Penn State. What did you want the viewer to feel about Paterno by the end of the movie? I don't think I, you ever want to say, I, this is what I want you to feel. All yeah. you want to do is create this, this time frame, these dynamics, the interaction. Mm. How did they act? How did they react? Um, as opposed to say, here's, here's the agenda. Yeah. You know, we're going to do this about yeah. it. So feel you're, this you're, way. You're presenting it and then you can make... You know, as it goes along, there's all these contradictions. The characters con contradicting themselves periodically. We start seeing these these layers of all of this that's been you know built up and perpetrated in some ways, and uh, we'll just see it uh, unfold in that time frame. How much research did you do, Al? Oh well, as as much as you can today without having the real person there. Yeah. Which, of course, is an extreme luxury. It's yeah. a real luxury. Because I've done it with real people who I've been portraying, and it does it does make a difference. Yeah. Because all you're really, in the end, what what, it, what you're doing is, and it basically is kind of revisionist, you know, you're, 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 you're trying to be true, mainly you're trying to be true to the text and the story that that's telling. Yeah. And as, and as close to what, you'd think Paterno was feeling, but who knows? You know, I, I never met him. I don't know him. So it, it was it, my uh, uh, thinking about it. Uh, for instance, I, there's so much to see on people today. I mean, you can't imagine the footage there is on Paterno. Oh, and, yeah. And I had the same thing with when I played Jack Kevorkian. It's all over the place. I mean, you just put on the, the Internet uh, everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so you, 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 you try to consume that. And there's just so much you can get from it because it's interviews and usually people are somewhat on, on guard. Although I thought that Jack of Orkin wasn't on guard. He was just 
you know, much more. But 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 Joe Paterno was somewhat in a, in a formal situation usually, you know. And even a couple of things that are in the movie we saw uh, on, on on tape, right. and we we literally just imitated the scene we saw on tape. Yeah. But also too, the the, the fact that you take what's there, circumstance, situation, and you and you. And you try to you you consume it in some way, his uh, his state, his finding out about you know the situation, and what he's going through, which is the the, the kind of denial of it, the the, the, the depression from it, the uh, uh, the various emotions he goes through to cope with what he feels first is an unjust accusation, and then starts thinking. Is it you know, and, and has this sort of uh, um, well, it's like a reevaluation of some, a re-evaluation of, of some of the things of that were said in the past. And yeah. he's doing those old guy cliches that people do when they don't want to admit they're culpable. Yeah, like, with like right. that breakfast. What was the breakfast line that he keeps saying? How do I not? I can't remember what I had for yeah, breakfast. Yeah, I can't remember what I had for breakfast. Yeah, yeah. The lawyer's like, you can't say that. Yeah, that's part of the denial. That's right. Yeah. And, right. And, and and also, it's is this the sense of guilt starts to move in. Yeah, and that is upsetting. Yeah, and and then questioning is really it, especially for a guy like Joe Paterno. I would think, knowing football and knowing what I played other coaches before. I mean, I I, I I've been I've been playing football coaches. So I, I to understand that what it takes to be a leader of a team and to make those plays and to and to think about that uh, what's what's uh, required of you just to go out there on those Saturdays and play and play football yeah is, is so consuming and in the midst of that to have this pressure on yourself and this conflict, and these concerns, and and these uh, actual uh, actually, he just uh, he learns things about himself. Well, and and one of the things I think is interesting, it's not like he's being questioned by media people, which he which he doesn't do. No, but the idea that he's being questioned by his own family—that's yeah, right. That yeah. that I think is interesting. And even his wife a little bit. You're getting the sons going, well, then, Dad, what happened when you saw so-and-so? Or the daughter saying, did you talk to the boy? Yeah. And he's saying, well, I didn't do it. What do you mean? Who talked to the boy? When she's trying... So what happens is I think it makes it more intimate and more personal rather than you're talking to some reporter. You know what I mean? This is the... His own daughter wants to make sense out of it. This is her father that she reveres, but she's asking questions and so were the boys, and so was the wife, which makes it a, a more, I think, an mm-hmm. intimate in those sections that has, I think, are, are that that vibrate in, in in a way that I think is more uh, compelling than is just talk to a reporter about something. One thing that struck me watching it is this was was this two ele- two thousand eleven or two thousand twelve? Like it was like six five six years yeah, ago. Twelve, um, I think. And. I think as the decade has gone along, some of the red flags and the signs we're just better at as yeah. as a society of being like, wait, that doesn't look right. I, th- I think that was more benefit of the doubt back then. And even if you see something like the gymnast scandal that happened this year, which had a lot of the same beats, right? What's going on? Why is this? Why is it going this way? These people have spoken up. Don't listen to them. But here's the th- add to it. Uh, we don't know much about that guy yeah. in terms of his principles. 
But Joe Paterno was known as not only this great football coach, but this man who believed in education. Yeah. He believed in the humanities and the integrity of it all. And that was one that was the signature of this man, this great humanitarian slash coach. Yeah. And so that fall from grace is quite the fall. And not to minimize what happened with the the gymnast thing, but he, he didn't have that persona there was that one person yeah. yeah yeah and he even says at the end there's a line where he says um something like this is everything i worked for it's just gone yeah that's it yeah um you said you played a football coach i did in a, a film called oh Any, I'm, I'm, aware. Sunday. Oh, I'm aware <laughs> i'm aware um I would say you probably that, that I mean they're playing that at basketball games that speech yeah, oh, yeah, all that stuff speech. that movie took a life of its own yeah, yeah. um it, this this seeing you coaching a football team got me excited for any given Sunday too I think we can make it work sequel no uh, a, a sequel that's a good thought Barry you Jamie, Jamie Foxx is coaching now and you're like the GM <laughs> I love it oh you see that oh, easy it is to write these things that's it it's a good sketch I, we did a podcast about that movie a few months ago because one of the things that's really interesting about it comes out in 1999 and a big theme of it is concussions painkillers um, yeah. all these yeah. things that are wrong with football and then not till 10 years later did the NFL even admit that right. concussions were even maybe a That's link true. or a bad thing. And meanwhile, it's a major plot line in any given Sunday. <laughs> no, and it, at that time, is, no one yeah. took, thought about it. It was no. like, oh, I don't know. It's not, it's some, you know, it's like, a, it's funny how we don't, some things are Well, they are kept saying, this is Oliver Stone again. Yeah, it's Oliver Stone being yeah. crazy. Yeah, so being you don't crazy. pay attention yeah. until all of a sudden you pay attention. Right, you know, it's it's odd. The things are there, and we just don't respond. Yeah. What do you think is going to be the reaction from the Penn State community to this movie? I don't know. I mean, I think we try to present a uh, a pretty good look into it all. But look, I mean, you, there are people that have certain opinions, and you realize sometimes you're never going to change someone's opinion. Yeah. Sometimes you can say whatever you want, and they'll go, "Yeah, but," mm. you know. So there, there's an emotional connection. I mean, to think about, there was a riot, yeah. you know, turning over trucks and things and, you know, setting things on fire when the students were angry that Joe Pa was fired. And that was an emotional reaction. It wasn't an intellectual reaction. It wasn't thought through. He was like he, a family member. He was them. the family yeah. member. He was the father. He'd been there forever. That's all anyone knew. He so, graduated 85% yeah. of, his, of his players. And he spoke. Yeah. So he was the father, the king of Happy Valley. And so all of a sudden he's dethroned. And so there was an emotional reaction. So how do they respond to it if their emotions are going to play as opposed to some of the other ways to look at it? And in, in the cool light of the day, I don't know. When we were doing 30 for 30, we would always talk about, is this a documentary? Is this better as a sports movie? Is it better as a short? Is this anything? Like, we're always trying to, what, what's the best context for this? This easily also could have been a documentary. And it's one of those meaty content topics mm-hmm. that it's like, it could go this way in the right hands, or it could go this way. What did this, in your, when you were developing it, have to have as a movie? that would separate it from a documentary? Well, I mean, a, a documentary is trying to tell the sequence of events and the, car- and the people that were in it. This is more of an, uh, a human drama that's inside of it. Right. 
And, and I think that's the distinction. Because I see Paterno was... thinking about stuff and talking to that. That wouldn't be in a documentary because you wouldn't have any of that. That that's that's where it separates from that. You can have events. Yes, he was. This happened. Here was the arrest. The whatever. But here, it's it's inside of that between he and his family, between all of the thoughts he's having on of his own and how he's dealing with it and how he's yeah. processing it. That's where a film lives and breathes. That was my takeaway because when I heard they were making it a movie, I was like, they easily could have just made that documentary. I'd be interested to see why this is worth making into a movie. And what stood out was Al's performance as Paterno because by the end of it, I really felt like you were Paterno. Was, you must have had a little bit of makeup, right? What'd you have? Did you have a... No, a no, I, nose glasses? I had a, what did they I had, put? I had a nose, but the great John Caglione, who's worked with me for years, you know, he did he did me in a film called Dick Tracy, if you ever yeah, saw yeah. it. Yeah, he did the makeup with me there. And he just came up with this nose. And I was reluctant at first, you know, Barry, remember? Yeah, that, no, we looked at it and modified it and did all those things. And there's a lot of changes and adapted You worried to it was like nose. a Halloween mask or something? Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> you always worry about that. Yeah. And then I said, you know what I thought we should do? Let's have a scene. Where, where Joe Paterno gets really angry and rips his nose off. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to get that yeah. fucking yeah. nose off my face. You know, it just was... But at the but, same time, that's a predominant thing about Paterno, was yeah. a, a, this guy with his nose, you know, and these glasses. You know, I mean, yeah, it, not real. Have it. it has yeah. to be real because yeah. you have to wear... It's like an accent, too, in a way. When you develop an accent for a character, you you, you try to absorb the accent, make it a part of you, because it, it, once it it owns you, you're, you're in trouble. It's got to become a part of you. So you do that with a, you know, a fancy nose, too. You have to, you know, sort of... Acquire it, and it gets you there. Especially if you have a good look. Look at uh, what uh, the the great uh, Gary Oldman just did with yeah, with, that was uh, you know, He had those those people who put that together. He made this uh, yeah, and it and you didn't feel if it was a performance behind a mask. Yeah, yeah, you felt that was the the man. Well, yeah. what Al mentioned earlier about computers <laughs> and being able to change the look of people. I, I think this is going to be the future of movies to some degree. We're, we're going to be able to go back to any old movie and pull actors out of it and put them in other movies. I know. Yeah. It, that's the thing. Right? We, we were saying, uh, I, I, while it was going on, I had no idea. You know, I never saw myself as in, the, in the character of Hoffa. I, I never actually saw footage of myself as a 39-year-old Hoffa. So I keep wondering, is it going to work? You know, you keep saying, this just seems like I'm not doing anything. But there were things we did. We had to wear certain um, certain things. The, 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 they they tape things on us. So they grab onto and, it. To and we went the, to a studio here. And these guys are geniuses that do this stuff. They just put us in these uh, rooms with uh, all this lights and, and told us to just animate and speak yeah. as they recorded it on a computer. For hours, and and then uh, they put put it together, and because you know it's been it's been tried before and it's been done before, well, but not uh, you know I think this may be a step another step because what would it, what what's it going to do to all of us you know? Well, I remember they made the Godfather video game, and you wouldn't let them use your likeness, right? And that's something. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know why, I I was uh, I was. Uh, it wasn't a great video game. I think you made it the right move. Was that the thing? Yeah, yeah, no, I think you made the right move. I just felt so connected to that character at that yeah. time. 
you know, if it were to be, they ask me again, now that I have, you know, my son is a, he makes video games. Yeah. He actually, yeah, he makes them. You could impress him. Like, I'm going to be in a video game. What? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, he, he plays them and, and, he, and he, he's, a, he's a, a programmer. Yeah. We're going to take one more break to talk about Amazon Music. It's the simplest way to listen to the music you love. Discover tens of millions of songs, including the hottest new releases, thousands of curated playlists and stations across all of your devices just by asking. No ads, no limits, no interruptions. Find them at the tip of your tongue having friends overnight. Just ask to play music for a dinner party. Shout out your favorite bands or your favorite years or if you're playing a song you enjoy and want to hear more of it or more like it, simply say, Alexa, play me more like this. Engaging with music has never been more natural, simple, or fun. You can even make your own custom playlist. You can do whatever you want. Or you can be like my son and just shout out random artists and see who Alexa plays. My son is a lunatic with the Alexa. He even uh, makes Alexa tell jokes. And let me tell you something, they are all terrible. If you hear the words, hey, Alexa, tell me a joke, a bad joke will ensue. But you know who else wants to Good music. New customers, start your 30-day free trial at amazonmusic.com. That is amazonmusic.com to start your 30-day trial free. Renews automatically, cancels anytime. Let's go back to Al Pacino and Barry Levinson. Well, I wonder like 20 years from now, somebody like or maybe 50 years from now, somebody will just be able to take all the footage from the Godfather movies and turn it into a mini series and have all these different plots. That well, we we've talked know. about that. Yeah, I'm I don't sure know whether that's I like that or not, but no, it's going to happen. It's going to be part of something or other, you know, yeah. I mean, cause it's, it's, you know, it'd be like, um, the way the studio system is, it would be like, you say, well, this is about this, uh, this man and this woman or whatever, and then they're trying to make sense out of it. But then, then if you say it's uh, it's Thelma and Louise, oh, you know what I mean? It's like they need some identification rather yeah. than to imagine it. So uh, the recycling that goes on is because they know it. And since it existed, it can exist again, as opposed to something which is wholly original. It gets lost in in the the corporate sensibility, so it's very hard to make something that is really original. But that's where the benefit of what's going on now in terms of this whole thing with streaming video or HBO is they have to work in a different place. Yeah. So they they don't compete by trying to do Wonder Woman, etc. Although they're touch on it, obviously, but they can do these pieces like Paterno that a studio now doesn't do. You know, it's 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 something we could talk about for days yeah. about the the pros and cons of that, and, and and especially when I grew up with the uh, the structure of a film, usually it was two hours, and things happened, it peaked, and then it went into an, a a place, and then it resolved, and boom, you were left with uh, the experience. So that's changed somewhat in the in the in the in the in the cable. Yes. As a matter of fact, Net Netflix produced uh, Irishman. Yeah. So so when it when Irishman comes out, which I would imagine is going to be longer than two hours. Uh, uh, but it's not a miniseries. It's not a miniseries. Yeah. So it's not made for that for that thing that that stretches out. So that's another thing I I like about HBO is they 
Do they? But they do miniseries. They do miniseries. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, that's what I like you see nowadays in terms of the awards and things. It's all confused in terms of uh, if you take the Emmys, because the Emmys don't know what to do now. So a miniseries and a film are in the same category. I actually think they, that didn't quite make sense. I think they should redo the categories. Yeah, it's I think it's much harder to do right. a 22 episode show than a seven in some ways. Because if you're in 22, they you can only hit a certain level of quality oh, doing totally 22 too. in a year. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You have great actors, great scripts, uh, directors are good. They're not working in the, with the size of a film, but tonally, it how do you it keeps for. You know what I mean? It's 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 the same thing, but it's changing. But it's somehow it's like very, a third form. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. So it's I, another it's a an, another way to do it. It would be like saying, well, we can do Casablanca in in a long form. Yeah, but it'll ha- it'll be different because you you have to expand it out. I mean, it's di- it's a different form. You as an audience are 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 going through different things when. Somewhere in the in the back of your mind, you know that this isn't it. It's going to keep going, and it's going to you know so that you get a chance to see it again or whatever. But that changes your. Uh, well, I wonder. Figured, like, I haven't about, been able to articulate it, but there is something. No, I know what you mean. It, like you know? fifty years ago, Godfather is a successful book, and people yeah. are like, "Oh, who's getting the movie rights?" And then that was during that era when they're buying books and turning mm-hmm. them into movies, yes. and it was clearly going to be a movie. Yeah. Fifty years later. Somebody might look at that as a ten episode Netflix series. Well, yeah, well, that's that's three hundred we million dollars. That's right. They might not even think of it as a movie. No, exactly. No. Yeah. That's the thing. I don't know if that's a better or a worse place to be. Well, it's different. It's, more, it's definitely just different. It's adjusting to that kind of thing, you know, both as a, as as someone involved in making those and also as a, as an audience. Yeah. I yeah. asked you before we started taping how it's changed just to have all this stuff that you guys both have done available. You know, like you think like in the 90s, cable takes off. There's all these movie channels and you see some stuff you've done is on over and oh, over yeah, again. But now you have Netflix, you have Amazon, you have HBO, you have um, all these different Hulu, all these different places. Yeah. And like right. Netflix bought the Godfather trilogy, I think in January. And it was just there it was. And it's like, here, here's the Godfather. Knock yourself out. All three, all three. Watch whatever you want. And wow. that's just where we are in 2018. Yep. Wow. Your stuff is just there all the time. Wow, I didn't even know. Is that know good that. or bad? I'm just learning that now. Oh, you didn't know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's all good. Really. No, there's no downside. What else could to it that? be? I mean, I may good. not be tuning in to watch one of my own kinds of films, but it's nice that they're out there and people can go, you know, see something You're they didn't constantly see. Constantly revived. Or, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, people see, new audiences see things that you did. And so you're in a, in a way. It it it's it's accounts for some of the relevance. It does. Really? You know, it's an odd thing. Uh, TCM asked me to uh, come to Buffalo because they wanted to do the uh, the natural. Yeah. In a, in a theater in like a thousand seat, and I said, oh, Why okay. wasn't I invited? This is bullshit. I, I saw the natural in a theater, <laughs> and this uh, was in the theater. The class in the theater, so I go uh, up there, you know, to go do it. And I said, uh, you know, is there you got any people who are going to show up? And he said, what do you, you know, we, when we put it online, it sold out in 10 minutes. I said, you're kidding me. So, and, and the reason is not because people remember from then, because it, it's been running. Oh, yeah. And so people like have seen it over the years. And so they have this special presentation where we showed it on a big screen in a, in a theater. And that's because it, it, things stay alive and run. You know, hmm. in the in the old days, when a film came and disappeared, that was the end of the film. You know, nobody would see it again. That was the end of it. 
there's, until TV came along. There's not a month that goes by that I don't see a film, one film or another, that I missed somehow or yeah. it was done 100 years ago. Yeah. And there you see something and it's extraordinary and you, you, you it's very, you know, it's like novels or something you see over again. I saw the other night uh, uh, the Leslie Leslie Howard and in 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 Norma Shearer in Romeo and Juliet. It's just there, you know. Wow. You see this fantastic thing, and you just turn on uh, TCM, and there it is. The Natural is a good one because there's certain parts where you go in and you're like, ah, oh, all right, I'm staying. There's <laughs> <laughs> always this something. For, oh, Roy's in the hospital. All right, I'll stay. I'll, I'll, I'll wait till he gets out. And then yeah. Godfather's another one where AMC will just be like, we're running the Godfather all day. Yeah. And then tomorrow we're running it again. And they'll, they'll do a whole weekend based on this movie that came out 46 years ago. Yeah. It's really insane. People will still watch no, it over no and over again. It's one thing you don't know. You don't know what lasts. And the Godfather would be an example of something that just goes generation to generation to generation. And they're, you know, I mean, who would have known when they made, say, you know, Casablanca or, you know, uh, Citizen Kane or Grapes of Wrath, that they're going to hang around, you know, 60 years later, 70 years later. I mean, yeah. and they do. You know, it's, 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 that, that's the exciting part. Because it, in some way, it's like you're, you're doing something, but you have no idea how it's going to connect. You right. may think you do, but you don't. No, and you then don't. the longevity of it is beyond anything mm-hmm. you could ever imagine. It's, if they remade The Natural now, I think PEDs would be a storyline. People would be wondering, yeah. what's going on with this guy? Yeah, Why is he why hitting four fifty? How did he knock the cover off? The yeah, wall? what's happening? We got to drug test this guy. Um, I have one random question for you. Yeah. So you do heat. Yeah. And you have the famous scene with De Niro. Yeah. Our whole staff loves heat. Heat's like heat's has oh, aged very nicely. It's like a nice yeah, bottle of wine. It's one of the classics. Um, how many takes for that scene? Because there's a whole internet conspiracy theory that. They filmed your scene, and he wasn't there, and then they filmed his scene, and you weren't there. I think you were both there. Yeah. You were both there. Uh, that's what Michael did. Uh, uh, Michael Mann, they, they had two cameras. Two cameras, but you're yeah. both, you're looking at no, each other the whole time. we were right there together. Okay, yeah. so I just wanted to end yeah. that internet conspiracy <laughs> now. Because over the years, it's been like, no, no, they shot it. It's a, it's yeah. a stand-in for the other ones. No. <laughs> at least that's what I recall. You'd have to ask Bob too. I mean, get get verification on that. No, it's for sure. Yeah. I know that's for sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that now, was a now, big moment. That was like two the of the guys going the head to head. Front, apparently, they weren't together in the taxi. Man, the taxi scene, Marlon and, and Rod yeah. Steiger. Yeah, they were. Yeah. They were for the two shot, but the singles they were. Yeah. Uh, it was done. Brando's side, um, Steiger was you know off camera for it, but then when they did Steiger's side. I think Brando was seeing some psychiatrist or something, and he'd have to he leave at a certain point, and, and they leave. shot it separate. Well, you know, with Marlon, and I remember that story, and and I remember I was a young actor doing the scene with Marlon, and it was to do the uh, some scene in the hospital, and I remember thinking, well, you know, because he was, a, you know, a real icon to me and an inspiration to all of us, and, this, and me especially. So... Uh, I, I, I felt I was better off not having him there because <laughs> because I could relate to some image I had of what, whoever my father, whatever I was thinking about at the yeah. time. But here it is. He said, Marlon wants to stay to be your off camera. 
Uh, I thought, how do I get out of this? There's nothing I can do now. I thought for sure he wouldn't be there because I had heard he wasn't there for Steiger. Oh, wow. But he was there for me. And I thought, oh, no. So I just said, oh, go with it. You know, did the best I could. But and he, your he was, generation. It was wonderful that he was there. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, very supportive. Your generation, like, revered him, right? Oh, yeah. No doubt. I mean, like, there was no, but nobody even close to him. No. Because he just burst in there with streetcar, especially, and he did stuff that we, as as the young actors, we had never seen anything like that. But you know, oddly enough, as you go on and you 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 keep acting or doing this that we do, and you see things like I see things on television, like I see the old movies, you know, yeah, and, and you start seeing from whence. Marlon's stuff came, you know, the the effect. But he was an innovator, an yeah. extraordinary spirit that came on. And I loved one one eye Jacks that he directed. Yeah, the only film he directed. And what it's, what it's year a, are we talking about? Sixties, about nineteen sixty one, maybe. Because there's uh, you know these guys in Baltimore, and we all used to quote the lines from da, the movie. Da, 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 yeah, yeah. And he was a. Uh, there's a great line where he shoots and kills this guy in a bar. You know, he's a he's a cowboy. You know, a gunslinger, and he's sitting on the bar. And Carl Malden, you know, walks in and said, uh, he sees the dead guy. Said, you know, uh, what happened here, kid? And Brando says. Um, he didn't give me no selection, Dad. <laughs> There's another line in there where he says to to Carl Walden's character, who is absolutely hateful in the movie, he's yeah. wonderful in it, yeah. but he, he, he makes you really yeah. love this guy. And Marlon looks at him and says, you know, Dad, uh, you're a one-eyed jack in this town, Dad. <laughs> I've seen the other side of your face. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you make a movie just to do that. <laughs> yes, yeah, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Just want to say that line. You know, movies have changed so much, but on the other hand, they really haven't changed because even like you look at The Godfather and they're making that and everybody's like, this could be a disaster. Why'd they, oh, why'd they sure. pick that young Pacino kid as oh, the lead sure. guy? And, oh, that was the and whole it's thing. Like yeah. A whole year of that, right? And we still have that now. That still happens in 2018. Oh, sure. oh my God, the budget's so expensive. Why'd yeah. they do this? Well, well you it's told that suck. story that they were ver- the studio was ready to fire you at any given time, right? Well, for sure. <laughs> uh, they were going to fire me. And, and this is the only movie I have ever done. And imagine there I was, it's like a first movie. And yeah. I, I was completely innocent. I, I, I didn't know what was going on. And I, I, every time I did a take, I'd hear people giggling, you know, like the crew stuff, like snickering. Like <laughs> laughing because I had a reputation being so bad in this film. And I, I because That's I amazing. wasn't really doing anything, I guess. I had some idea that I, I should start, you know, low key, whatever I was doing, it, it just wasn't striking any note. And Francis knew it and he took me out one time. He was, he asked me to dinner at which he was sitting in his, with his family around a table. And, he, and I, I, I came in. And I thought I was good. He was going to offer me the chair, but he, I just stood there. And he just said, "You know, I had a lot of faith in you, Al." And 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 he was really, you know, he was under a lot of pressure. Yeah. So I said, "Well, what's?" I said, "What's wrong?" You know, I I, I I can I I don't know what I'm doing, what I'm doing. He says, "I put some rushes together, and I and I and I and I want you to take a look at them. I want you to go to Paramount. It was on. Remember that." Big Paramount building. Yeah, yeah that's five Street. minutes from here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, but this was in New York. Oh, well, I met yeah, him in yeah, a place yeah. called okay. the Ginger Man at gotcha. the time. And so I said, uh, okay, I'll go. You know, I'll take a look. He says, yes, why don't you do that? 
So I thought, I think I'm done. I think that's it. I was there for about a week, week You're and a half. You're almost like a quarterback who's might yeah, get yanked exactly the backup. Right. Yeah, exactly right. And I know that it's over. So they must be preparing. So I took a look at what I saw, you know, and I knew that it wasn't really terribly interesting at all. I looked kind of weird and I didn't know what I... But at the same time, it's what I had planned. And I couldn't articulate to Francis. I was too young. I didn't know how to articulate to him. But didn't you say that... that I was it, going for something. Didn't, didn't you say the key was when you finally uh, shot them in the... No, that was Francis. Francis thought, knowing me, right. he thought... I And he moved that scene up. Yes. That scene was scheduled for later on. Did he do that for you? He did it, yeah, to, to save the part for me. Wow. So... So so he he moved the scene there so that if the studio he bet that he thought that if the studio saw that scene with Michael they shooting would keep, they would keep me Louis restaurant that was just totally yeah. brilliant that he no, did that. it was a great decision on his part because then they, they can say oh yeah I can see he's a gangster right yeah. And up until that point, is the but, young man. you know, man. I never thought of Michael as a gangster. I never, till this day, I still don't think he was a gangster. But he, you know, he was the mafia chief. But he was like in his uh, in his makeup. That wasn't his style. No, his style was a different thing. He but was that was a, a college scene with grad. A gun. He came. Huh? That was a scene with a gun. Yeah. So therefore, it was. And it's it's it's, it's smart of Puzo to make have made him a uh, a soldier. A hero in the war. I always thought you were playing that so that the character evolved during the movie. Exactly. But you just couldn't articulate it to him. I couldn't articulate it to Francis. It's like saying to a director, don't don't worry, I'll get there. And the guys are worried. They're going to kill me. (laughs) They're going to kill us all. Uh, The the studios are going to stop the picture with you. We can't. Trust you? You know how a director will say, trust me. But you see, that's another thing I wanted to say with Barry. Yeah. I just trust him. So it allows me to do so much because I know that he's uh, he's going to make it and he's going to tell me things that are going to. And that's I think you really need that when you when you work in a. In, how in how a many film. years did it take to learn that you had to have that trust to get to where you wanted to get oh, as an actor? Years. Years and and even now you just you know because you're very exposed as an actor yeah and uh, you 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 really and I found you know Barry and a couple of others that I I would really I could do a, you know I could just do anything I I got a feeling that I I trust their sensor yeah I trust their their sensitivity they'll tell you to dial it back exactly right ramp it up whatever you need yeah. to do how long did it take you to learn how to delegate to the actor but kind of massage him anyway. Or her? Well, I'm. It's a good question. I I think because I I was in I, I spent two years basically every day with this acting group. Yeah. And a lot of improvisational stuff. And You'll throw I, yourself I, in a movie every once in a while. A couple of times, if reluctantly. So. <laughs> I really don't like it. And and I was in an acting group, and I didn't even want to act then or yeah. do any of that. But I did early on realize that the if I can. If you can have an actor sort of do it without saying, do this, try that, try that. And all of a sudden there's so much, just too many things to think about yeah. as opposed to just nudge it, nudge someone this way and that way. We're going to get the most uh, kind of interesting behavior. That, that, that was what I was always looking for, that I just believe it is interesting behavior. And then you can modulate it this way or that way. But if you say, when you come over here, stop here, pick up the glass, go over here, and there's too many things to think about. We have to sneak up on it so that it all feels sort of organic. 
And, and that was maybe the first thing I thought about. That's, so, that's, that's a lot what Sidney Lumet did. See, I did those earlier films like Dog Day, Serpent Yeah, Dog, oh, Sidney yeah, Lumet. classics. And, and what he would do is he, he had a way of, he says, you know, direct is direct. I direct. And it's sort of like you go in the bank, you go here, you do this here, you turn around here, then you do that, then you do that. And it's like a, it's like magic because all you have to do is what he says and you're robbing a bank, you know? So this is, uh, this is, I remember that. And we would, and also rehearsal because he, he rehearsed a lot. So we'd be rehearsed in a, in a, in a, in a, in a film. We, we'd rehearse for weeks on end because, and he would start from the first scene to the last scene. Cause when you make movies, you meet, you know, you film out of sequence. Yeah. And so you sort of knew by near the end of the film where you were because of all the drilling we have for weeks on end about. Yeah. The Sounds like thing. Belichick with the preseason. Yeah. Trying to put people That's in it. game situations. Yeah. Yeah. You but were, every director works in a different way. Every, I mean, yeah. there aren't, you know, it's not like here's the style that you should work in. Everybody has to find their own way of communicating with an actor, you know, mm-hmm. that somehow that it connects, it starts to work, you yeah. know? And so everybody, I, you know, how did Billy Wilder go about it? What did John Huston do? You know, how did Orson Welles handle it? I mean, everyone mm-hmm. has some different way of yeah. constructing it and making a connection so that you end up with this unified piece. You can't yeah. end up with, this is flying over here. This looks, feels like it's burlesque. This is melodrama. Yeah. You know, you can't, you have to have something cohesive. You worked with uh, Al, obviously. You worked with De Niro. You worked with Redford. You worked with Hoffman. Mm-hmm. You worked with Cruz. You, did you work with Nicholson? No. No, no. So you've worked with most of the most of the greats. Is there a common common gene or a common character? I, thread? Everyone, everyone I know was, was was different. Yeah. Dustin had his own things, and you know you have to find a way to accommodate. Because he would have questions about something or a, a, some, you know, moment or whatever. And you had to find a way to make the connection. You know, I mean, I remember in Rain Man and one thing when we did a take very early on, might have been the first day or second day. And I said to him after a take, I said, you know, you seem too depressed. And, and someone who's autistic isn't, isn't depressed. They're, yeah. they're busy. They're, they're looking at things. You know, it's like how many... Uh, you know how many how many lights are on the ceiling, or there's not, you know there, there's something going on there. And so we said, oh, all right, that's a good idea. So we go to do the take, and now he's looking, he's looking, he's etc. And Tom's talking to him, whatever, and he's looking and looking. Tom's talking, and we're not going anywhere. I was like, all right, cut. I said, Dustin, you know, he's talking to you. He said, uh, yeah, but I was staring into the lights. I got so lost with the lights, I didn't hear what he said. <laughs> I said, well, we can't have <laughs> went too far. <laughs> yeah. He went too far. <laughs> we can't do that. <laughs> and so. I said, so I said to him, well, you know he's talking. You just don't want to pay attention to him. But you know what he's saying. But you're more involved in the lights. And that's where, if you ever watch the movie, you'll hear him going, yeah. Ray, do you want to do this? Yeah. But he's busy doing it. But he knows he's there. He's tethered to this person. And until yeah. he really pays attention to what he's saying, then he may not want to do it. But he knows there's a voice, but he doesn't want to pay attention. And that, if that was the way we were able to find that so that he can be busy and not depressed. And that little teeny thing was able to anchor it. Otherwise, Tom would be talking to himself forever. Al loves this stuff. 
Well, I, I can listen to people talk about <laughs> well, acting I, forever. It reminds me of John Cassell. You remember John oh, Cassell? One of the, 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 the all-timers. He was, he was the he great was wonderful. One. Greatest IMDb uh, on the internet. It was an incredible thing. It, it was just so much I learned from him working with him. Was, and during Dog Day, there was this thing. Was, Sydney was, uh, was setting up a scene or something in the bank, and John and I in it. And uh, I work with John. I work with him all the time. We did theater together. Yeah. We did... You know, you yeah, guys I've, kind of grew I, up I've known together. him since I was 19. I used to work at Standard Oil, and I met him. We were messages at Standard Oil, and, and there he was. And I, I, I liked him from the moment I saw him. I just thought, um, I, he's the, he actually, you know, he was with Merrill. He lived with Merrill Street, and he met this girl, Merrill Street. And he said to me, when uh, uh, they came to me, he says, Al, I met this girl, you know, and, and he was with somebody, I think, his own a girlfriend he had, I think, because I met this girl. I really, I'm in love. I'm totally in love. I thought, and then he said, she's the greatest actress in the world. I thought. And she hadn't I'm, even done anything I mean, she hadn't done anything. Yeah. I didn't know who she was. I thought, this is love, right? <laughs> it turns out he was right. <laughs> but but there we were in the, in, in the bank. And he says to Sydney, because he says a line, he says, I'm not a homo. Why is she calling me a homosexual on the on the TV, I'm not a homosexual. And and he turns to Sydney and he says, Why do I say that? And Sydney is, you know, very considerate, very pro actor and really, and he says, Well, you say it, and he says, say, and then John says, Well, no, I I don't think so, because so and so that doesn't work. Why would I say it? He said, and then Sidney came up with another elaborate, because he was so smart, you know. He'd come up with these answers. But I knew what was going on, and I knew it was going to be a while. So I would take a walk. <laughs> I took a walk outside, you know. I came back, they're still at it. Finally, I hear Sidney, Sidney Lament says, you say it because I tell you to say it. <laughs> you know, that's why you say it. He said, well, why didn't you say that in the first place? <laughs> and, and that's, that's you know, amazing. That's crazy, but it's <laughs> these all these stories remind yeah. me of things that, 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 that you know. He was the great lost actor of your generation. I mean, oh, he only John, made, he only oh, made what five John movies? I think he went many. five for five with his movies. I know this this guy. Did you know John at all? I did. Oh my God, what an artist! And and you know, he I, I he even said we've got to stop working together at one point. Because you did, I what, loved four or five so with him? And you killed yeah. him? You killed him in Godfather 2? Yeah, I killed him in 2. I, I mean, thought you, the, you uh, that conversation about going somewhere in another country or uh, that, oh, like, yeah, that that's was, a killer little thing. Yeah. I mean, that's so, what I love about it, it's a, it's a background. Yeah, why oh, I yeah. to go to Wyoming. That, that, what I loved about that moment is, Yes, it's a bank robbers doing all that, but they're having these other conversations <laughs> that right. are so delightful and inform the character in a way to an audience that yeah. you understand this. You understand Subterranean. It. Yeah, and that's what's so great about it as opposed to you can never just do plot, plot, plot and information. Inside of it, there has to be this kind of behavior. Then that mm-hmm. tells you more about the characters. Yeah. about where they got to go fly to, et cetera. And, and that little thing tells you so much about character behavior that really informs a movie. Well, remember Tarantino did Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction? And mm-hmm. people were like, wow, he's, this thing he's doing with the characters where they're about to commit a crime, but they're talking about McDonald's. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. from the 70s. That's yeah. 
Well, he said, we to me, he said to me uh, one time, I, I mean, he might have just be uh, complimenting me in ways when I said something about uh, in Reservoir Dogs. And he said, uh, to me, it was really doing uh, Tin Men with Guns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I said, mm-hmm. oh, that's interesting, you know. Uh, anyway, it's what he had passed on. But so he had that kind of Tin behavior going on. During Dog Day. Yeah. This great AD, uh, Bert Harris. You've heard of him? Yeah. Bert Harris. He was... Sydney's assistant director. Yeah. And, uh, and this is the thing I love about films and when they're active and alive, because I was, I was there and I was about to go out into the street and start talking to the crowd, you know. And Bert just comes up to me, whispers in my ear, he says, say Attica. So I said, Attica? He says, just, just say Attica. Go out there and say Attica, Attica. <laughs> because what had happened at the time, you remember... Yeah. Uh, Barry, there was this big uh, explosion the, in Attic, Attica the prison, prison yeah. where yeah, they the killed prison. these prisoners, et cetera. So I just went out. It was not in the script, but I went out there and I and I start saying uh, to the crowd, Attica, you know, Attica. Attica. Remember Attica? Attica? Yeah. Right? They all start screaming, yes. And it became the scene. And it happened right on this, right in the moment. So that it's that kind of stuff that you keep your tentacles out for that, that, that somehow if that uh, gets in the air, if that, that antenna is out there for something that can happen. And, and uh, it, it's harder sometimes when you don't have the time or you haven't had the rehearsal time because you're trying to get through the day. Yeah. You know, but that, that's the, the general, the, the kind of thing that could happen. Well, those things that catch on. That, that, yeah. yeah. I mean, that audience, those extras, all those actors and people out there, they didn't know about it. They just started going when they heard Attica. And then Sydney incorporated into the into the film. But that came from an AD. Wow. A very smart guy, by the way. Very film, yeah. uh, high film IQ. And and he would say other things to me periodically. Just So there's, there's in that, there's a kind of freedom uh, when, you know, you, there's a looseness on the set with Sydney, always. When you're doing The Natural, did you make up anything up on the fly? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a, as I remember, there's a scene between um, Farnsworth and Brimley. Because, uh, you know, you see, you see coaches sitting in an afternoon yeah. while practice is going on. And they used to, because they knew each other so well, and they were, they were doing... Um, he mentioned he'd start to hum a song and he'd say, that's, uh, you know, uh, blah, 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 the name of it, whatever. And, and I said, why don't we like shoot that? Let's just make, the, why don't we just shoot that? It's like a lazy afternoon, you know, they're having practice and the two guys there. And so they did that where they do like name that tune. They're humming yeah. it mm-hmm. and they're having a good time with one. And I just put the camera on a sh- shot for like five minutes and let them just do whatever they did and mixed it into the film. Yeah, that movie it's one has, of the things that jumps out at me that I can remember off the top of my head. That movie has some good just what baseball is like day to day moments in it. Because you want to put a little it's in the there. The laziness of and it. At the same time, you got this extravagance of, you know, hitting a ball into the towers and, yeah, yeah. and all, you know, that, that, that aspect to it. But there is this little intimate moments that you try to find in, in anything because I think mm-hmm. it somehow, it, it, it allows an audience to connect to inside of the characters. I once in 2001, I wrote a column trying to figure out what Roy Hobbs' stats were that season. <laughs> and based on all the hits and his slumps and all that stuff, I think I had him at like 
390 with 45 homers and oh, yeah. two thirds of a season or something. <laughs> he definitely was good though. Uh, this was great. I really enjoyed this. Thank you guys. Yeah. Paterno Thank comes you. out. What day was today? Uh, April 7th, I believe. HBO, 8 o'clock. April 7th. Oh, man. That's three days before the Andre the Giant documentary. No. It's a big week. Yeah. That's going to no. be a good week for HBO. Yeah, we did a, a movie, uh, a documentary about Andre the Giant. I saw some ads on it. Yeah. yeah you don't funny. have an Andre the Giant story, do you, Al? No. No. I, uh, I, mean, no. I, was I, I wasn't in The Princess Bride, <laughs> was I? I don't <laughs> know if you ever ran into him in New York City or everything, drinking no. Beaujolais or, or no. who knows. All right. No, I missed uh, him. Good luck with the movie. I thought it was excellent. I think that's a really hard subject to pull off. And, Thank uh, you. Thanks. I was, Thanks a lot. I was really into it. Uh, Great. So thanks for coming on. Thanks to ZipRecruiter. Don't forget to check it out at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Thanks to Gillette. I've been shaving since college. I've been with these guys a very, very long time. You know what changed my life? The Gillette Fusion Ultra Sensitive Skin Shaving Gel. Oh, yeah. Recently, I started using the Gillette Fusion Pro Shield Razor as well. I ordered it. I got four refillable razors and free shipping and every fourth order free because I subscribed. And you know what the benefits are? When I shave now, my neck doesn't look like I shaved with a cheese grater. I have a very sensitive neck. Gillette has helped my neck. My neck is nice and clean. Now you can get Gillette Performance delivered to your door. No more getting mad at yourself because you just got back from the grocery store and you realized you forgot to buy blades. How stupid do you feel when that happens? Subscribe today. Pick your favorite razor. Get every fourth order for free. Visit Gillette online at GilletteOnDemand.com. Thanks to the Rick Happables podcast. Subscribe right now. You can hear me and Mallory Rubin talk about billions. Speaking of billions, don't miss the awesome new season of Billions. This show entertainment weekly calls, quote, devilish fun, unquote, with new episodes Sunday at 10, 9 central only on Showtime. My listeners can get an extended 30-day free trial of Showtime to catch up on the first two seasons of Billions by entering code BS at getshowtime.com. Offer expires. April 15th, the next time you hear from me, oh yeah, Durant Simmons 5, it's happening. Going to San Francisco, God knows how long it's going to be. It is running probably Tuesday, maybe Wednesday morning, not sure yet. Be ready. Kevin Durant back on the BS Podcast. Until then.